Hey, it's John from CityCast. If you're in the mood to pamper yourself a little bit this week while supporting cruelty-free products, you should check out Bone Cur Home and Wellness. It's the best place in Portland to find everything from chic home decor to cannabis accessories. They've got a curated collection of vegan and cruelty-free home goods and wellness products because their name is French for kind heart, after all. You'll get a 20% discount on your first order when you sign up for emails this week at boncoeur.net. That's B-O-N-C-O-E-U-R.net. And use the code BONECURCITYCAST20. Hey, before we start, I have a favor to ask. We're trying to make the show even better and more useful to you, our listener. So if you have five minutes, we'd be really grateful if you took a survey at citycast.fm forward slash survey. We're just trying to make it to 100 completed surveys. So if you have any constructive feedback, now is your time to shine. Plus, anyone who takes the survey will be eligible to win a $250 Visa gift card. Thank you. Today on CityCast Portland, award-winning writer and reporter Casey Parks is going to give us her personal history of growing up in Portland as a young adult through the lens of four songs. It's part of a new series we're calling Portland Mixtapes. Casey was a reporter at The Oregonian for over a decade, and though she's still a Portlander, she's now working for The Washington Post. Her first book, Diary of a Misfit, recently published to much critical acclaim. It even won an Oregon Book Award this year. Casey's been jet-setting around the country for lectures and book readings, but she's graciously made some time for us. And as you'll hear, Casey is also a dear friend of mine. So get ready for some stories. It's Monday, June 5th. I'm Claudia Meza, and this is what Portland's talking about. You're like one of my few friends who I feel achieved all of their like childhood goals. It's really just exciting to see and to be part of. So I don't know. I'm just really proud of you. Oh, it's interesting. I have a really different take on that because I find it almost depressing or not almost. I do find it depressing because it turned out like once I accomplished all my childhood goals, I was still like unhappy with myself, (laughs) which is then freaky because I had spent my whole life thinking like, oh, if I just write this book, if I just write for the New Yorker, if I just make it to the Washington Post, like all my problems will go away. And it turns out that's not true. And so now I've gotten to the point where I actually have to like look at myself. But thankfully I'm on the road enough that I don't have to look at myself (laughs) too much. Just like leave that there. (laughs) Oops, I got to catch a plane. (laughs) Oh, Casey. You know what? Also, when I think about our friendship, I just think of like nonstop, uh, you know, playlists, if we have an inside joke or we had a really fun hang, we make, make each other a, a Spotify playlist. <laughs> my favorite playlist from you and one of my favorite playlists all the time is after we got food poisoning together and you made me a bad burrito themed playlist <laughs> that was just all songs about getting ill. <laughs> yeah. Good friends, bad burritos. That's a really good Spotify playlist. I have to say, I, I sometimes mm-hmm. jam on it as well. But you know, I feel like a lot of your work, a lot of where you've you've grown from was because of your time here in Portland, of course. Um, I mean, obviously you're from the South and that really like made you, but as a young adult, I feel like Portland kind of raised you a little bit. And so I just wanted to hear what your, uh, your four songs that would just be like, all right, this is, this has been my Portland experience. Um, and you, you've picked some here. And so what I wanted to do was we'll play a little bit and then we could just talk about why you 
you chose that song. Okay. The first one that you were like, this is for sure, this is a song, was uh, Jumpers by Sleater Kinney. Why'd you pick this one? Okay, so I could have picked any Slater Kinney song from before 2006, and it would have been right. When I was a teenager, I found their albums back when I was living in Mississippi, and I did not know any gay people at all except for like Ellen DeGeneres and Elton John. And, you know, they weren't really returning my calls. <laughs> so uh, I just really held on to those tapes and CDs as like my only friends at a certain time in my life. And I would read about them in magazines and it said they lived in Portland. And I just had in my mind, like, if I can get out of Mississippi and into Portland, like my life is going to be so much better. The first time I ever came to Portland was actually for what was billed as Slater Kinney's last concert ever. This was in 2006 in August, and I knew two old ladies from Mississippi who lived in Portland. And so I asked if I could come stay with them for a couple of weeks on their couch. And it was just this wonderful experience. They lived near Division, and there wasn't much down there at the time except the new seasons. And I would go over there every day to get hot walk. And I didn't grow up eating vegetables at all. So the hot walk to me was like this eye-opening experience that you could just get vegetables <laughs> on on demand and the whole visit was like leading up to this final concert so they were like taking me to the thrift store to pick out like what outfit I was going to wear to the concert and then like a couple of days into my trip Slater Kinney announced they were going to do a second last okay. concert like one <laughs> after me and I felt personally affronted I was like I flew all the way out here I mean the year before <laughs> I didn't have a job like I had, I made like $4,000 that year and I put like 40% of my income into this Slater Kinney yeah. trip. And so I was like, I cannot miss the last Slater Kinney concert. Like I remember talking to the two old ladies, like this is my Beatles. <laughs> like I have to go. So these two old ladies um, helped me figure out Craigslist. It was like the first time I ever used Craigslist and we found a ticket to the next show. And I remember they drove me to a plaid pantry to buy the ticket off somebody and I totally went by myself, um, but it was one of those moments in my life, like leaving that concert where I thought my real life was beginning. Now, the reason that I chose Jumper specifically is because my friend Aubrey Bernier-Clark is in the music mm -hmm. video. And I knew the video before I knew Aubrey, and I thought that Aubrey was like this huge celebrity. And I wound up meeting them at a party somewhere. And I don't know if they suggested it or I did, probably me, because I have no chill, suggested we start playing online Scrabble yeah. together. <laughs> and we became friends like that, like that. And Aubrey was a filmmaker and they offered to help. I, I had started doing this project in rural Louisiana about this trans guy who lived across the street from my grandma. And at the time I was trying to make it by myself or with my mother mm -hmm. and just we complicated, had, let's be honest. <laughs> very complicated and also not a very journalistic endeavor. Yeah. <laughs> Just taking your mom to interviews. 
And my mom is not a dependable person, so she wasn't going to be a really great um, assistant <laughs> director. And Aubrey offered to help me with it. And um, it turned into a 12-year or 15-year commitment for Aubrey, so hopefully they don't regret it. I, I thought at the time it was going to be like a one-two trip thing. Um, but then we've turned into kind of, I guess, lifelong collaborators. And it really just started from me seeing them in the Jumpers video. Yeah. I remember when you started that documentary with with Aubrey. Yeah, that was like 12 years ago. And now it's turned into a book. It went from like a documentary to a memoir mixed in with the mystery of like, who was this man? Uh, yeah, it's pretty awesome. And that's Diary of a Misfit, which uh, if you have not picked up yet, you should. Um, well, let's go to the next song. Um, the second song you picked was Holcomb Waller, Hardliners. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to play well. You don't have to fix everything all by yourself. And don't laugh because it just might be the soft curve in your heart This is actually my favorite song of all time because it really brings me like a lot of peace and hope and has at so many different points in my life. The way I came to this song is kind of unusual. So after those old ladies introduced me to Craigslist to get my Slater Kinney ticket, I, I moved out here with my best friend, Hayes Young, and but we didn't know how to meet other people. So I, we decided we would go on Craigslist to make mm -hmm. friends. What? And so we posted... <laughs> This was 2006, seven, baby. Like <laughs> it was a brave new world out there. Um, and so we wrote these extremely dramatic Craigslist posts about what we wanted in friendship. <laughs> and I don't remember. I wish you had it right now. Like I wish you had saved that because I want you to read it to me right now. Can, oh you, can you remember a little bit of like what you wrote? Oh, I think, you know, I was still young, so I might have, like, quoted the perks of being a wallflower, like, looking for people to feel infinite with <laughs> or something. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm still dramatic, but I was really dramatic oh, at 23. I can confirm she's still dramatic. <laughs> um, it was just longing of, like, I'm looking for my next great friendship who's going to, you know be with me for the rest of life. I don't know. I mean, I'm somebody who um, is always in desperate need of love. So I'm sure I brought that to this Craigslist post. <laughs> and side note, we did another Craigslist post as well. That was a fake one about the E room, which was this lesbian bar that used to exist. That was actually called the Egyptian club. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, everyone called it the E room. And it was a fake post because we were doing a misconnection for someone we hadn't seen. <laughs> and it was like you in a wife beater, dancing to JT, Justin Timberlake. Mm -hmm. Me, hot as hell, drinking whiskey meat. <laughs> we got so many replies of people, women, who thought it was them. And my friend actually went on dates with these women. Like, three or four dates. You were not with drinking different... whiskey neat. I mean, that is... <laughs> oh, no. And not, neither were we hot as hell, if you look back at some of the pictures. I mean, like, I needed a different haircut and some serious style help. Um... So not the e-room post, but the friendship post mainly lured in one gay boy from Louisiana, mm. which is hilarious to me. I travel all this yeah. way. I'm going to meet my great Oregon friendship. And it's a boy who grew up down the road. Yeah, from me. of course. Of course. 
And he was so sweet. Um, for our first hangout, we decided to make a Southern meal. Blake eventually began dating Holcomb. And that's how mm-hmm. I like came to learn Holcomb's music. But um, this song is kind of, uh, I guess, a mantra for me before I had any understanding of what mantras are. Like, there's just the line that's like, I won't stop loving. And you don't have to, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to fix everything by yourself. And um, I've had kind of like a lifelong version to like self-help mm-hmm. stuff. I'm changing that now. Cause as I said, I'm trying to like actually become better emotionally, but before I could accept therapy or self-help books or anything like that, all I had was this one Hope <laughs> Mahler song and it um, really, you know, ferried me from he- there to here. So I'm grateful for it. Oh, all right. Well, let's take a quick break here. And when we come back, the last two songs on Casey's Portland mixtape. The third song that you picked, you picked uh, Glenn Waco, Bottle in a Sack. So Glenn Waco is a rapper who was living in St. John's when I met him. He was also a very young person when I met him. I think he may have still been a teenager. So at this time, I was working at the Oregonian newspaper, and my beat was North and Northeast Portland, which meant you covered everything that happened in those quadrants. So it could be like zoning issues. It could be a new restaurant opening. It could be like a school board fight. I, of course, did like, I'm going to write about the local teenagers, which is like any beat I have in life. I'm always trying to make it about the local teenagers (laughs) because that's just my favorite thing to write about. And so I would hang out up up in St. John's and, and meet different teenagers. Most of the teenagers I met were rappers. And I started to think of like St. John's as like Portland's Compton. Like this is where, um, you know, all the talent is coming out of. And initially I thought that's just because St. John's had been a historically um, economically depressed area. Mm -hmm. And that can sometimes shape rap music. But it also turned out there was like this really curious connection, which is that this skinny white teacher had helped um, create a recording studio at Roosevelt High School. And people like Glenn had pushed him to do it. But all of these kids who went through Roosevelt High School wound up getting to make albums at high school. And so I pitched the Oregonian to let me to let me write about these kids in this recording studio. And Glenn just impressed me so much, not not only with his cadence and his musical ability the beats he chose but just the way he saw the world because what he did in his songs particularly here in bottle in a sack is what I really wanted to be doing with my articles and honestly I wasn't good enough at the time 
to do with articles what he could do with the song. And so even though he was a teenager, he really inspired me to keep pushing because he just had such a mastery of details. He could see the bigger themes. He could tell like one story and it was telling the story of this entire neighborhood. And we just spent months together working on this project. I wound up shooting a bunch of video of him. And I mean, mainly I just got to like listen to music at work for several months. And it was so fun. And I, to me, getting to do that project was one of the first times that I felt like myself at work. Because my first couple of years at the Oregonian, I had so much ambition, but so little skill. And that was so frustrating for me because I wanted to be great and I did not know how to be great. And the stories that I had to write were like Hillsboro band smoking in the park or <laughs> they're getting a new parking structure in Beaverton. And that is not like who I saw myself <laughs> as. Like I wasn't going to make my name off this parking structure. Those just weren't the subjects that I wanted to really write about. And this story was the first time that I was doing me, like what I most cared about. Cause I, I love rap and I love teenagers. And it was just like this huge high of like, okay, I figured out a little teeny tiny piece of this job and it's following my own instincts. And it was many years. It took still many years for me to have like any real skill to be able to pull off the kind of article that I could be proud of. But for me, it all started with this one. Yeah. And now look at you now. I saw your front page at the Washington Post. I saw that, Casey. I think I've had like eight or nine. Oh, well, okay. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to play the next song. A great artist that very few know. (laughs) And when you chose this song, I thought you were straight up pandering because I was like, Casey, you're already on the show. You don't have to pick a song like that I wrote. (laughs) Like, why are we talking about this? So your next song is uh, Stay Calm, Let Me Clear My Throat. And this was a band that I started right after I, I started a much more successful and more well-liked band. <laughs> and I brought that <laughs> band up. And everyone in town was so mad at me that when I started this band, it was like they were just like, we hate it because it's not the other band. And I just want everyone to know that it was not bad. <laughs> like- <laughs> this band, Stay Calm, is exploding the colors with hooks. I begged you for years to put this online anywhere because you couldn't even get it for a while. And I had it on a CD and then, you know, CD players went away and I kept begging you. I was like, how can I listen to this? I can still hear it in my head. And then you finally put it on Bandcamp. I assume I'm assuming just for me. So thank you. This is the best driving song. Like, I'm going to go pop out into my car right now and just, like, hit the gorge. Um, it's so good. Like, it's it just makes me happy. It's so propulsive. But um, the reason I wanted to play it is, for first, for everyone to know how cool I am that I know a band that nobody else does. Um, no, but also, like, our friendship has been a huge part of my time in Portland. and 
similar to how I came across Aubrey, I remember knowing of you before I knew you. Your band, Explode Into Color, is the one before this. One best new band for Willamette Week. And I remember seeing you on the front of the newspaper, like in stands and like thinking you were very cool. But then I found out the girl that I had a crush on also liked you and had taken those pictures. <laughs> and then she brought you to my house. I used to do these big dinner parties and the girl that I had a crush on brought Claudia to my house as her date. And I was very aggrieved because I, you know, I, I just decided like, I don't like Claudia. And um, that, so when I had these dinner parties, like 15 to 20 people would come every week and not a single soul would ever help with anything. They would not help cut. They would not help cook. They would never clean up their own dishes. They wouldn't even rinse them off. Like one of my dearest friends one time, we had ice cream sandwiches and she decided she didn't like the ice cream sandwich. And rather than throw the ice cream sandwich away, she put it in a clean glass and put it on top of my refrigerator. <laughs> like, why? This is just a bunch Wild of like animals. gutter punk queers back in yeah. the day. Like, no manners, no house training. Um, they did not come up out the South. Unfortunately, the only person in the history of the dinner parties who ever offered to help was Claudia. <laughs> The one person that I had committed my life to not liking. And she just like stayed in the kitchen with me while I was cooking. And it was like really, I don't know why I'm saying she when it's you. That's <laughs> right? okay. You're telling a story. That's, you know, that was, that was back then, Claudia. This is. I'm talking about a young Claudia. This is the sweet Claudia. <laughs> and the not sweet Casey. But it really did um, start off our our friendship and, and which has meant so much to me and has, you know, bridged from my young rambunctious 20 something year old self to my 40 year old self. And also just think of this band as like from a different Portland that doesn't exist in quite the same way anymore. And I am nostalgic for the, the for those times. Yeah. I hear what you're saying. I do want to say though, that when I went to your, uh, your dinner, I made it, like in my head, I was like, oh, this is my new best friend. <laughs> like I just already decided that because one, I just found you so charming. Like I loved your accent. You stood out in a room full of what you just said, like ill-mannered gutter punk queers. Like I was like, she's so nice. And I just I just gravitated to that because like it was hard for me to relate to, you know, people my age because I just felt really old all the time. I do think you and I had both been through a lot of stuff as kids that made us really old 23 year olds <laughs> but what was fun is like we could connect on like I guess being mature quote unquote but then also on music and artsy movies but then we would also just like watch sex in the city marathons and sex like in the city marathons <laughs> go eat nice well we couldn't afford nice food at that time so we mostly ate cheap food but we had like discerning palates about the cheap yes food. we did we have and a lot of opinions <laughs> where i will never forget one of the first times we hung out you ordered off menu at la bonita <laughs> i remember that really <laughs> impressed you you're like what oh yeah i was at that moment i was like this is my best friend for life <laughs> for sure i was like anyone who orders off menu i'm keeping them around like what else can you introduce me to in this world Although we did bike to that hangout and you 
biked up the hill and in one of the most embarrassing moments of my life, I could not get up the hill on a bike and had to get out and push it. And you like kind of back, (laughs) you kind of pedaled back down and walked your bike up with me, even though you could get up the hill. So thank you. Oh, I love that you remember all these details. All I remember was that I introduced you to Sopes and I was really excited to do that for you. (laughs) Yeah. After that, we tried to go swimming at Peninsula Pool. They were having some kind of gay swimming. Yeah. And we couldn't get in. (laughs) I think we didn't want to pay because another thing we bonded on is both being cheap as hell. Oh yeah. We we thought it was like, like some, it was something ridiculous, probably like $10, but in our heads we were just like, what? We were like, oh no, no, no. Swimming should be free. Absolutely not. In this economy? Yeah, and we just rode our little bike, and instead we spent $20 on Pisco Sours. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, for experiences, we're not paying, but for for fine food and drink, Yeah, sure. of course. Well, that makes sense. Um, although I think we each only had the one Pisco Sour and, like, dragged it out. Oh, that's all true. Night like, <laughs> that's very we, true. Yeah, we're bougie but cheap, so I don't know if stuff like that still happens. Like, maybe I'm just too old to know, but at that point, in this kind of like, what, what, how would you describe Portland at that time? It was kind of like a preteen or something like becoming itself. Yeah. Like you could see the flashes of, of what it would become. And you could see that it was about to usher in a whole new era of gentrification and urban renewal. We can have a whole nother conversation to sometime about mm-hmm. the city policies in the 1960s that turned all of those areas into wasteland intentionally and pushed people out. But, um, I did not necessarily know that that day on our bike ride, I was just like, we're in a up and coming city and everything is gay. Like, because it was still relatively inexpensive, not by our standards, but by some, um, there was just gay stuff happening Mm -hmm. everywhere all the time. Just like every weekend you could be going dancing or swimming or just be in someone's basement. And yeah, it was just... A really exciting time in my young life and so different from how I grew up. I'm so glad I was there with you, Casey. And it makes me really happy that you chose like my song to represent that for you. So thank you. Thank you for having me. We actually made a Spotify playlist with all of not just Casey's song picks, but all of yours too. Thanks to everyone who responded to our newsletter call out and has been writing in with their favorite Portland songs. You can find that playlist link in our show notes. And now for your microdose of news. The volunteer committee that's working on drafting four new Portland City Council districts released three potential maps last week. All three maps have the entire west side in one district and the entire area east of I-205 in a second one. Now, there are some variations which include certain east side neighborhoods grouped in a district with West Portland, but for the most part, all of north and a chunk of northeast end up in its own district. And this is important to know because this is how we'll be voting for our city representatives very soon. And on a sadder note, we're mourning the death of Ha Lu better known to Portlanders as Christina, the matriarch and chef behind the beloved Vietnamese soup restaurants Ha Viel and Rose Viel. Ha Lu survived communist Vietnam, the imprisonment of her husband, and near starvation before moving to Portland in the early 1990s. Her broths and traditional soups were praised by some of our country's biggest food writers. She died May 29 at the age of 75. Our sincerest condolences to her friends and family. For even more local news and events, Sign up for our daily newsletter, Hey Portland. We'll throw a link in the show notes. 
That's all for today here on CityCast Portland. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more from around the city. Until then, see you at Slim's. <laughs>